All right, welcome to the official first ep. Well, not the official first episode of the season. The official first Sunday episode of the season. We got the whole crew with us. We got Brandon Furtado. How you doing, man? Going on, boys. And we got Shane Hanson. This is our crew for the season. Glad to have the whole awesome goat level team with us. Shane, how you doing? Yes, sir. I'm doing great. Um, you know, we're chilling, making it happen. Um, yeah. Making it happen on one of the... Driving and surviving, as I like to say. Making it happen on one of the worst NFL week ones, probably in recent memory. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. Pretty bad one. Uh, I'm, I, I'm, I'm, I'm just going to do a quick overview of Cowboys Giants. We are recording this at 10.06 p.m. Eastern, 7.06 Pacific, because we don't care. Like, the game's 26 nothing at halftime. Yeah. Like, <laughs> okay, why is Daniel Jones getting paid this much money? And I get the offensive line was so bad today, or at least from the time of recording this. And I also want to point out, just to throw this out of the way very quickly, all the young QBs struggled because their offensive lines were dog shit. Yep. Yeah, you're not, you're not even wrong about that. Everybody, I don't, I don't think I saw a single good offensive line uh, in any of the games today that I saw. I mean, every single. I mean, the only. Well, we'll get into it later, but we'll talk about the, 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 the game that we all know because we're on a pod that covers the Chargers, so we know what game was the best one of this week so far. It was really but, good, and we'll get to it. <laughs> but, but, but at the same time, uh, like all the other games had awful offensive lines: Bengals offensive line, Eagles offensive line. I never thought I'd say the Eagles offensive line is terrible, and uh, that was the case today. But I'm like, gonna go Washington, Atlanta, Carolina, Arizona. We know Arizona is gonna be bad. Uh, yeah. Denver's was surprisingly pretty good. Um, Jesus. Yeah, every team that had like a year one or year two quarterback. Houston's terrible. CJ Stroud couldn't do anything in the second half. Mm-hmm. Shane, what are your thoughts on abysmal offensive line performances all around in week one? You know, what's interesting about this, and maybe it's a coincidence, I don't know, but <laughs> I, I'm i just looking through the, the scores from this week, and I noticed that in games when it was an offensive head coach versus a defensive head coach, only one defensive coach won this week. Who was it? It was uh, Dennis, or no, sorry, Todd Bowles versus oh, Kevin wow. O'Connell. Other than that, um, I mean, just looking at this, uh, D'Amico Ryan lost to Harbaugh. Um, okay. Let's see. Belichick lost to Sirianni. Belichick, yep. Lost to Sirianni. Um, Tomlin uh, lost to Shanahan. Yeah. Carroll lost. Tom and yeah. defensive coach. Yeah. And, and then there's yeah. Brandon Staley, uh, Matt Eberflus. Yeah. yeah. That's, that's a oh, Zach, good Zach Zach Taylor lost today. Yeah. Yeah. It's yeah. That's that's a really good theme. Um, and that I guess leads us into the first. In be- or best game of the weekend, Dolphins Chargers, and and my reaction is very simple: no defense, guys. Really, every single yeah. other game this weekend had pretty damn good defense. No defense at all, and and I gotta be honest, looking at it from a Chargers perspective, dang, this secondary is gonna be bad all year long. It's gonna be atrocious. It's gonna be really bad. Derwin James can't save the secondary. 
J.C. Jackson got burned multiple times in this game. Yes, it's Tyreek Hill, but even the other receivers played really well. That's going to be a bad secondary all year. And I and I honestly, we have games like this every year for Justin Herbert. This could be the first year we might see it every week where he just has to put up an offensive shutout, Shane. Yeah, I mean, um, you know, I've had the opinion for uh, about a year now that Brandon Staley is the worst non-rookie head coach in the NFL. <laughs> and, um, you know, I am still pushing that opinion um, because, you know, you had, in my opinion, the better roster today with the Chargers, um, certainly the better quarterback. I mean, nothing against Tua, but, I mean, come on, Herbert is a mile better than than uh Tua and uh yeah but even then like it, it just it didn't seem to matter because there were so many crucial you know third down situations where did your mic shut off again Shane or it might have <laughs> Knack it a few times. Yeah, like we're 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 having look. It's week one. The off the the, the week sucked. <laughs> we have technical difficulties. Brandon, you go. All right. Yeah. Yeah, um, all right. yeah continue with that whole third down theme because I think that's actually really important, Brandon. Like you know, when it comes when it comes, oh, hold on, I'm professional. Um, <laughs> you know, when it when it when it comes to like not even the third down thing, but just going back to. Because we have to talk about the Chargers Dolphins game, but like, let me I'll I'll pick it back off what Shane said real quick. To me, Justin Herbert is a better quarterback because Tua's not going to throw for five hundred yards every week. That's that's not happening. Um, but I mean, isn't that the story with the Chargers? Like every year, I mean, we 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 just kind of touched on it, but isn't that the story where they don't have a good secondary outside of? You know, I mean, I Derwin think the James. biggest thing that we've said for years is that Derwin is their most important secondary player. And I yeah. think part of it is that I looked at it today and I don't know how much Derwin played. I don't even remember if he's healthy. I think he was. What I learned today is that actually it doesn't matter that much because it's just like yeah. they, they're just a mess. And it's not saying they have bad corners. I think JC Jackson's a good corner. Yeah, I think Tyreek Hill is much better, but you can't get beat like that. Yeah, like, it just it happened way too often. There was almost no safety help help in the back end. I I just I don't understand it. And and look, you can say the same thing for the Dolphins too. Donald yeah. Parham had a great day. You I I'm I, there's no excuse for both of these teams to play that bad defensively. It it's again it's a really weird juxtaposition compared to where the rest of the league was this week. But it's just like. That was that was abysmal defense and just brilliant offense, and that was a yeah. really fun game to watch because of that. But it's it's a lot. I think my whole thing, looking at it from a Chargers perspective, I don't know as much with the Dolphins because I'm still worried about Tua and his health. Yeah. He didn't yeah. get hit very much today, if at all. So for the Dolphins, there there isn't much to take away. Then Tyree Kill is going to be their guide for the whole year. For the Chargers, it's look. This defense is going to be a big issue. Shane, are you good? Go ahead. I think I'm good. Yeah. I'm, uh, 
Yeah, no. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, you, All right, you continue with uh, what you said on third down. I'm having a problem with my DI box. Anyways, um, yeah, so, you know, there were a lot of key situations where, you know, they needed a third down conversion and the offensive, you know, good offensive mind, um, you know, not Kellen Moore would, <laughs> would have uh, would have been helpful, but that just didn't happen. So, um, yeah, I don't know. It, it's really, it's kind of frustrating, you know, because this is, like I said, I think this is one of the probably five most talented rosters in the league. Um, yet it's like they just look lost because I think their coach is just way in over his head. And um, I mean, I never even thought he was a good defensive coordinator. So when they hired him as a head coach, I was like, what the hell is going on here? And so, you know, that was just, I guess what I'm trying to say is um, I think this is definitely a very capable roster that is being held back by a, um, you know, less than stellar coaching staff. Yeah. But... Defensively, they looked held back today. And, and that leads me into the Seahawks. I, Shane, you said this on, you said this in our, in our group chat earlier, this cover three system that Pete Carroll is running is not working and it hasn't worked for probably the last three to four years. And it showed today against an abysmal wide receiver and tight end core in the Rams. Yeah. And offensive line. <laughs> not that that has to do with cover three but still um yeah i mean this is you know maybe this was just a, a fluke you know it, it, sean mcveigh has given pete carroll fits his entire time he's been there but when you know like i said this has been going on for you know the last four years probably so it's not just a fluke. I think this is a definitely a trend that we're seeing here. Um, Cause the cover three, you know, it worked well for the Legion of boom, uh, but this group is not the Legion of boom. In fact, nobody is. I mean, that was a very good defense, um, you know? And so, I mean, I think the thing that really separated them was how smart they were, you know, guys like Sherman, uh, Cam Chancellor, Earl Thomas, they were really, yeah. yeah, I mean, not only were they incredible players, but they were very smart players. And you need that in a cover three scheme. And I mean, not that the current guys aren't, but they just, they're not quite as athletically gifted as those guys were, I don't think. And also, you know, a lot of them are young and experienced, don't really totally know what's going on yet <laughs> so um yeah i don't know it's it's definitely not a not a good look for them um i mean if i'm them i'm not feeling great right now because that's like i said this has been going on for a while so it's like well i don't know it's just it's a strange situation and it would help if pete carroll uh, did some adjustments at halftime once in a while. Um, <laughs> you know, Sean McVay. After half, that's what I mean. Sean McVay is one of the best coaches in the league at adjusting at halftime. He's always better in the second half than in the first half. Not always, but usually. 
Whereas Pete Carroll, it's the exact opposite. I mean, I swear he goes into the locker room at halftime and he's, you know, chewing his nine pieces of gum. All right, guys. That was great. That was hell of a first half. All right. Let's just go out there, keep executing, keep hitting guys hard. All right. right. Keep being competitive. And then then he just, and then he, they go back out and that's what happens, which I know it's like, oh, yeah, whatever. I'm I'm serious. Like, I don't know. But, anyways, so that's my, my spiel there. Brandon, your your thoughts on the Rams after week one? Does this change our opinion on the Rams at all? I I don't think it does very much. No, I mean because we we said what going into the week even before the game was played, we said the Seahawks are probably gonna take a step back this year. They're not gonna do what they did last year, and especially with another year of basically running the same systems, pretty much offensively and defensively, you know, it's not gonna work a second time unless you have you know, unless you make some variation to the game plan and they don't they you know every we talk about cover three we talk about you know you know Gino's not going to do what he did again so we like it doesn't it surprised me how much they got beat by but it doesn't surprise me that they lost um I mean it just seems like it's it's the same story every year and it it doesn't change my mind about the Rams the Rams are just like okay congratulations you beat the Seahawks but the Rams are not built to do that against like the Chiefs they're not built to do that against the Bills. They're not built to do that against, you know, teams that are that are actually way better than what they are. And besides, I mean, Seahawks, Rams, you know, that's just a game every year we look at, you know, because it's what? It's the NFC West. So it's just, you know, division games are like that. They're topsy-turvy like that. They can go either way. They can be blowouts. They can be tight games. Uh, you know. This is, it doesn't change your mind about where about where either team really is. And also it's week one. This is week one in general doesn't change my mind about any of the teams so far. Because week one was just yeah. so disastrous. It was so disastrous across the board that it doesn't matter to me. We we're not like like we said what last week when we did the pod. We're not gonna know until what a, a month or two into the season. We're probably not gonna know really, until Thanksgiving. Yeah, <laughs> even even then at that point, we're not gonna know where these teams stand. Because especially with this week being so bad, this is kind of like, okay, we need to build up at least, you know, a month and a half before we start kind of seeing where teams are trending. Speaking of where teams are trending, Joe Burrow is not trending in the right direction after getting his money. Um, one of the single surprise, worst surprise. Lines, single worst stat lines ever. Mm-hmm. Brandon, I'll, ha- I'll have you start with this. That I mean, look, the weather was bad. We all know the Battle of Ohio. Weather's always bad. The game is always weird. But that was beyond ugly. Yeah. He, like, the offense put up th- a Joe Burrow led offense with arguably the best duo in the NFL. You can make, I mean, Tyreek Hill and Jen Waller are pushing that, that case out the window. But, you know, you can make a case that Chase and Higgins and even Boyd is their wide receiver three. You know, best group in the end of wide receiver group, wide receiver core in the NFL. You have a, a great top five quarterback, top three. Some people would even put them. Um, you know, there's no reason to put up even. It doesn't matter what weather it is, rain, snow, sleet, hail. You shouldn't be putting up, be putting up only three points. That's just a ridiculous outing. And Burrow threw for less than fifty percent. What was he? Fourteen of thirty-one for eight yeah. for eighty-two yards. Thirty-one for like eighty-one or eighty-two yards. Yeah. Eight. 82 total passing yards. Like that's what you would do after like a first quarter if you're a really good quarterback. Not not in a whole game. 
So I, I don't get how you look so bad. Like, and it, he's not a rookie. This is what his what third, fourth season. He's a Super fourth, Bowl, yeah. he's a Super Bowl appearance third, quarterback yeah. doing this. This is yeah. the, that's the and that's, and that's another thing too. Yeah, this guy is also in the running. This is a guy. This guy who's an MVP level quarterback. This guy's a Super Bowl level quarterback. Like, I you don't see. I mean, even with how look at how Mahomes and Hurts played, who are, who are also you know in that conversation too. And you know they all played better. Like I said this, and I know this is gonna be a hot take, but uh, to some, but to me, I don't think it's that hot, hot of a take. This is the worst quarterback performance I've ever seen. Next to Nathan Peterman, so I mean, it's just that's. I don't think that that's too much of a hot take. Some people would, but I mean, uh, considering the talent he had around him, yeah, because it, like you said, that's what I'm saying. Receivers he had, it should have been a lot better. Yeah, getting Um, getting blown out by the Browns, like it's the Browns, and you're getting blown out by them. It's not good. Which, to be fair, I I do feel like the Browns have a, one of the more underrated defenses. Um, yeah, I think so. Yeah, no, I think their defense is really good, and it showed today. Yeah, I, I didn't think. I, by the way, I didn't think I learned anything about Deshaun Watson today. No, no I, I learned nothing about their running. I learned nothing about their offense. I don't feel comfortable about their offense at all. But Shane, what's your overall reaction to that game? Yeah, pretty much the same. I mean, you know. Like you guys were saying, since it's week one, it's it's basically still the preseason because yeah. starters don't play in the preseason anymore. Not really, at least. And so they're still working out all their kinks and different things. So I'm not, you know, I, I'm not hitting the panic button yet. And if you look at Joe Burrow and the Bengals, the last two years that they've been Super Bowl contenders, um, they started out terrible like in the first month so uh and then they got hot later in the year so i'm de- if i'm a Bengals fan i am not losing sleep over this uh you know if they if they keep this up through like halloween then yeah <laughs> but but how likely um, do we think that is probably not yeah, it shouldn't happen yeah uh, i would i would guess probably not but you never know the crazy league yeah. Any given Sunday. Uh, it was crazy play calling for your Philadelphia Eagles, Brandon. Um, one of the most atrocious play calling I think I've ever seen by a coordinator. Go ahead. I'm just going to let you go. Go ahead. Brian Johnson, get off my football team. That's how I well, think. That's the fan in me. The, the, you know, trying to be professional in me is like, okay, it's just week one. But my God, you can't look like, I don't care if it's week one or not. That's peewee level play calling. That's awful. Every other play was either a literally, it was just a variation of a quarterback draw, a jet sweep, or a screen pass. That's going to win you a football game. I don't think so. And then when they tried to throw deep, they couldn't because they couldn't even, you know, it was cover zero. It was every single game. I mean, every single snap almost. Like, you know the Patriots are coming with the blitz. You can see it from a mile away. The average fan can see it from a mile away. How do you not change the protection? How do you, like, I mean, he did a couple times, but it still wasn't enough. Like, but how do you not draw up something different? And remember, I said to you, 
if it, if the offense isn't moving the ball, what do you usually do? You call quick pass plays. Get the offense in rhythm. That's what you do. Brian Johnson did none of it. It was the same game plan for all four quarters. And it almost cost them the game. And then you had two chances at the very end of the game to put the game away. You end up with a field goal to make it 25. But then you had two more drives after where you had the ball back after the Patriots didn't score a chance to basically run the clock out and win the game. And you you run three straight running plays. And then you run a, like, on a fourth and two, you didn't pick up the first down. Like, they had so many chances to put the game away, even when it was still a two-score game in the fourth quarter. And they let the Patriots back in it. And the only reason that they won the game, and we joked about this, but the only reason they won the game is because of a foot. One foot, not getting in bounds, won them that game. Otherwise, I'm singing a different tune. Like, I can't even be like, I'm usually happy even when the Eagles win ugly. But this was so ugly, it feels like a loss. I can't even be happy about it because they played so terribly. Like, and everybody talks about how well the defense played. Defense did play well. But through the course of that game, because the offense wasn't moving the ball, it tired out the defense. And that's when you saw the like every other play was 13-yard gain, 20-yard gain. 15, like in the, in the span of 45 seconds, they're already in enemy territory, getting towards the red zone, threatening to score. So it 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 just made me so angry because it's like if you see that as an offense, like change it up, please. You know your defense, you're leaving your defense out to dry. And that was another thing. Patriots kept getting short fields because the Eagles kept getting pinned deep. Instead of going on long drives or at least not even scoring, just getting out of your own shadow of your end zone, you're only moving the ball three yards basically on every single drive and then punting the ball. Literally, every highlight on red zone was the punt. They literally didn't show – like I can can vouch for this. They literally didn't show uh, that Eagles-Patriots game until like like minus a few plays here and there until like middle of the fourth quarter. Yeah. Because it was just pun after pun after pun. It was useless. Yeah. yeah. It was and absolutely were, useless. And if and when the Eagles were still winning 16-0 and they were punting every single possession after going up 16-0, the Patriots just but they but they weren't moving the ball, and the Patriots would, wouldn't move the ball either. So they were punting the ball back to the Eagles inside the 10, 5 10 yard line. So it was literally you were playing a 50-yard football game instead of a hundred yard football game. It was literally just inside one territory for like half the game. It was, and then don't get me started of how many, the Eagles had to burn all three timeouts with like six minutes left in the fourth quarter because Brian Johnson couldn't call a play in 40 seconds. He would, that, I They would got see, so many delay of games, bro. So many. How do, crucial I don't, moments. I don't care if it's your first year as a play caller or not. That's ridiculous to have that many delay of games and have to take that many timeouts because you can't call one play correctly. I can do it. I can see what's going on in the field more than a guy who gets paid millions to do it. And everybody says, oh, you know, oh, it's, you know, it's easy until you do it. No, trust me. Even I know to change the play when it doesn't work. That's ridiculous. Shane, you've called offensive plays before. What what was your reaction to the Eagles play calling today? I mean, well, I've never been a play. But I've been on, you know, offensive staffs. 
Um, I told you guys, like, you know, they're running quarterback draws on third and 10 or whatever. Um, you know, we would never do that on third down from any distance. I mean, and our quarterback was 6'3", 230, ran a 4'6". I mean, he's like freaking Josh Allen. Um, but it's just, it's, it's just not a good idea. Um, but the fact that, you know, they continuously did that, uh, yeah, that's a bit concerning. <laughs> um, you know, I, I was telling you guys, um, before the season started and I'll say it again, losing chain stacking was, uh, big <laughs> for the Eagles. Um, because he's oh, yeah. not that Sirianni's a bad coach. He's certainly not. Uh, but he's, just, I think he was just such a great offensive designer and play caller. Mm-hmm. So, you know. Um, he got like, but he got like, he got the, let me cut you off here. He got the most, like, and listen, I had my beef. Oh, I was done. <laughs> I, I had my beefs early on with him last season. But throughout the season, he won me over because I realized, okay, he is a good, you know, play caller. I, I like him a lot, and it just it just drives me crazy how on a team with AJ Brown, Devontae Smith, Dallas Goddard, you don't draw a place to get them open. Like Brian Johnson literally just said, Jalen Hurts, go be the hero. Like you have one of the best wide receiver cores in football. You have one of the best running back rooms in football. Use it. Stop letting Jalen Hurts run 12 times a game and getting him killed. This was that that was the only time last year where I got mad at Shane Steichen because in that Chicago game, he got Jalen Hurts killed. It does this was exactly the Chicago game. It was a game they should have beat them by 40, and they beat them by one score and luck because they didn't do their job offensively. It's like when the Eagles are on offensively. I said it last year, and I'll say it this year. When they're on offensively, I don't think any team can hang with them. But but when they when they have these clunker of a games, like it's it becomes just these one score, you know, infuriating football games. That I mean, a lot of times they get lucky to win, which I can say they are. At least they're pulling out the wins in these kinds of games. But it's just it's this is why, like last year, what got them in trouble kind of like in in the Super Bowl a little bit. They did score a lot of points in the Super Bowl. They scored 35. But a, a play calling and even in the Super Bowl was a little bit suspect at times. They would have they would have third downs where I'm like, "Why are you running a QB draw on third and 5? What are you doing?" Like it's it's like it that's that's those are the times when Shane's that can piss me off, but at least he would make up for it the very next play because then all of a sudden they would make up for it and call something completely different. But today under Brian Johnson it was uh, literally, I can give you word for basically every single one through third down each play. Halfback draw, quarterback draw, jet sweep. And it's always some variation. It was three different players, like I just said, because it literally was. It was like, and if it was a pass, you know, two-yard bubble screen. I'm like, okay, well, what's that going to do? Like, I felt like I was watching in terms of offensively. It felt like I was watching the Chip Kelly Eagles just not the slow version of Chip Kelly's Eagles. I mentioned like, that to you. I yeah. was like, this is. Yeah, because it's because I, and then when I thought about it, it's true because Chip Kelly went fast, but it was the same offense, the same exact play calling. 
This was kill 40 seconds of the play clock, snap it at zero when you're not even in sync, and then run the stupid play. So it just it felt like I was watching Chip Kelly in slow motion, which is what I already hate Chip Kelly enough. So to see it in slow motion made oh god, it, it made me want to want to stick a fork in a, an open socket. I, well, I hate Chip I, Kelly. There's a million reasons why. I can't even go into them because this is a Chargers pod. I mean, yeah, but fair. to be but to be to be fairly honest, if you want to know why. Just like watch that game today in like two times speed. Yeah, that, like that honestly, was offense. Yep, it's and it, that. it hurts. And it created the worst part is this is a guy who's known Jalen Hurts since he was four years old. You know exactly what his tendencies are and exactly how he plays. And you were there last year under Shane Steichen watching how he called plays, and you still drop a game plan that looks like that against the Patriots. That's and not second. Patriots were not good today. They do not look like a yeah, playoff football team at all. They weren't good. My friend's they a Patriots terrible. My friend's a Patriots fan. He lives right down the block from me. He loves Mac Jones. I'm like, I'm like, do do you do realize like you know the Eagles have nobody in their secondary, right? They were down to their third string safety. Like Mac Jones looked good because he played a bunch of bums in the secondary. Like he Mac also Jones. looked he looked slower. Yeah, that's what it I was, was saying. Really weird. Like, oh. Every time Mac Jones got like a 10 yard game, I'm like, why is there no eagle within 20 yards of him? Why? Why is there no eagle within 20 yards of this quarterback? He runs like he's got it's a too much work. strap to his back. Oh. Oh my God. Oh, the pain. The pain. I'll take the W, but it was messy. That's that's all I'm gonna say at this point. And and with that mess, we're gonna take a short break. Uh Shane, I'm gonna ask you about uh cover zero coverage when we get back from break uh and go through a couple other like dramatic messes of Sunday uh, in this absolute mess of a day. Uh, but let's take a break and uh, we'll see you all shortly. Sounds good. Mm-hmm. All right. We're back from break. Dallas is winning as we're recording this 33, nothing. So uh, good, good job, New York. Oh God. Okay. <laughs> um <laughs> Jesus. Um, uh, Shane, talk about the, the cover zero blitz and how you as an offense would approach attacking that. Because I, I think it's actually a really interesting concept to attack from an offense. Yeah, it's um, it's tricky because, you know, it, it's great if you want to go for a deep ball, but you don't really have the time to let the play develop because you're probably getting you know, five, six guys blitzing and then, um, you know, everyone else is pretty close to the goal line, obviously. Um, But I've noticed that a lot of times um, like trail routes work really well uh, in that cover because on the outside where there's less people and you just, that's a quick route and you can get the guy for 10 yards or whatever. Um, but basically, you know, anything in the middle of the field (laughs) in cover zero is kind of a no go for offensively. Um, so yeah. And, you know, that just makes it even more complicated when you get to like a goal line situation, but, um, you know, that's where, that's really where cover zero is most effective, obviously. Um, but otherwise it's, 
it's very risky because I mean, if they go deep, it's touchdown, you know, there's, and if it works, but um, sometimes it doesn't, sometimes it does, you know, just depends. Uh, sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. It's probably the list of quarterbacks I'm going to mention here. I'm going to list. I'm going to list some quarterbacks, and I'm going to be like, these quarterbacks kind of had. Well, three of them I think had the same game, and one of them I think had a better game. And you'd be surprised at the list, and I'll explain why. I'm going to give you Kirk Cousins. I'm going to give you Ryan Tannehill, and I'm going to give you Derek Carr. I'm going to tell you Baker Mayfield played better than all of them today. And the reason why for me is pretty simple. I, I think Derek Carr is going to have a fine year. I'm not too worried about what he did today. But Ryan Tannehill and Derek Carr played against each other today and basically mirrored their, their offenses were basically mirrored minus a couple of massive Derek Henry stiff arms. It was essentially the same. For, yeah, Brandon just put in 40 nothing cowboys uh god damn <laughs> great money great sunday night great job nbc great job another Owen six record in the nfc east coming up for the giants <laughs> jesus um <laughs> with, with two boston scott 60 yard runs for your eagles brandon coming up this year at the end of the year um Dude, but boston scott's a menace i love it <laughs> he is really boston good scott, my, my favorite eagle just because he gets to terrorize the giants in my backyard and i love it um We'll see if the Bills do the same thing to the Jets in the backyard tomorrow. Uh, but to continue, I, I mean, it was just the same. And Kirk Cousins basically did the same thing. It's like, oh, deep route here. Let's throw it, even though there's double coverage. And it, I was like, and same with Tannehill, where he doesn't have that many receivers. And Hopkins kind of was in a, an interesting place where he got hit a bunch of times today. Just like the corner was all up on him. I, I, at some level... And so I, I don't feel this about Derek Carr yet, just because I feel like this new system with the Saints, there is something there. I think Jamal Williams can kind of get into stride. And I think once once uh once we, we get um Alvin Kamara back, I think it's gonna be a little different. So I'll I'll leave him out a little bit. But I think when it comes to Kirk Cousins and Ryan Tannehill, at some point the offensive staffs need to just know what they are and stop forcing stuff because it's just like like especially Kirk Cousins it's like oh we have Justin Jefferson okay we're gonna bring in Jordan Asson we're gonna bring in KJ Osborne and he's gonna magically be a better quarterback just because these guys can get open it doesn't work like that it just doesn't because he doesn't he anticipates Justin Jefferson's routes but he doesn't anticipate the other guys on his team's routes and even then, when Justin Jefferson makes a nice catch, it's because he's wide open. He was wide open in the middle of the field a lot today. But it's like, and then and then they like almost completely abandoned the running game. I was like, where the hell is Alexander Madison? It's like he's he's not here. Like where is he? He had like four four rushes for like thirty five yards at one point when I checked. Maybe that's how he finished. I don't even remember. And I, 11, just, I had 11, 11 carries, 34 yards, 11 carries, 34 yards. That's non-existent. Yeah, I, it's just, bad. it's, and then, and then for Tano, it's like, look, yeah, you have, you have Derek Henry, but as we always talk about, you can't just rely on him. And no matter how many receivers the Titans bring into that roster, it doesn't change a thing about who he is. But then look at what the Bucks did today. Did the Bucks play perfect with Baker? Hell no. 
No. Hell no. Was that game ugly? Hell yeah for Tampa Bay. But how <laughs> many times late in that game did you see, oh, short route to Mike Evans, good catch, good throw, good catch. Short route mm-hmm. to Chris Godwin, good good throw, good catch. And then it ends up being a touchdown. Because they know what Baker Mayfield is. They understand he's not, they understand he's turnover prone. They understand who he is. So they're just playing to his strengths. And a, a defense like the Vikings can't figure that out, I guess, because I don't think the defense is very good. But it's like, at some point, these offensive staffs have to realize that you can bring in as many receivers, as many running backs as you want. It doesn't make a difference if a guy's in his upper 30s and has played the same way every goddamn year. It doesn't change. Brandon, your thoughts? I mean, it's just you can't, you know, what's the definition of insanity? Doing the same thing over and over, expecting different results. So it's like, you know, when when you have, like, in, in this game, you know, when you look at it, when we first talked about it, it was like, oh, yeah, the Vikings should win this game. But then you realize, oh, it's Kirk Cousins. Like, his stats are going to – he's going to throw for, like, in today, he threw for three almost 350 yards. When you hear 350 yards, you figure, oh, he balled out today. And then you see the one pick, and you see they only scored two touchdowns. They scored 17 points in total. And that's still what – like – but then you also realize Justin had lost 344 yards. Justin Jefferson had 150 of them. So it's like it's when when that's the only thing you have going for your offense, that's a big problem. Big. Because it's not gonna win you a lot of football games. That's why they barely they, they barely survived every single one score game last year. Like the Vikings last year versus this year, there's no difference. It's the same team. And it's funny, like, you know, like like we're saying, you know, Tampa Bay, they know what Baker is. They're not trying to make him something that he's not. Or and, and then, like, I guarantee if he struggled, they'd find a way to fix him. If Kirk Cousins struggled, it's just, oh, it's Kirk Cousins. This is the way he plays. It's like, it is what it is. It's like, you know, that, that's, a diff- that's the difference between a three-point win, pretty much. And that's what it was today. So it's like, you can't, like... As much as I, and I, Kirk Cousins, I have him in fantasy. I I had no options. Um, but that's did you Brock Purdy? Did you worse? I well, no, that's my other league. It's my yeah, really good league. Purdy. Yeah, okay. okay. And he was my he was my super flex. But nice. Kirk, but Kirk Cousins still, it's like I, I like you know he's played this way since he came into the league, and it's not going to change. And it's like every year we talk about oh Kirk Cousins has great stats, yeah. His numbers look good, but he's not a good quarterback. So it's like it's like you're not going to change the way this this guy plays the way he does, you know. And it's just it's not going to change. Baker Mayfield, the the, the Tampa Bay is going to play to whatever strengths Baker Mayfield has, and that's how they're going to roll this season. We know that. So that's, but that's that's what worked today. You play to what you like. As limited as Baker Mayfield may be, like I think Kirk Cousins is still better, obviously, but. As limited as, as Baker may be, they played to whatever strengths he had and they won in the game. And that's the difference between just good teams and bad teams. And what, what we said, we also said about Minnesota, they're not, not going to win every one score game again. This was a one score game. So I was just going to say. And so it's, you know, it's just like, oh, I, I, not even just, not even just Kirk Cousins, but I just said the Vikings as a, Vikings as a whole, I, I can't see this team. And we we're talking about the Lions, how, how you know, how quick they're coming. Lions are winning that division, damn it. I, and I, like, I don't care if the Packers blow out Chicago today. I don't care. It's Chicago. Like, my we'll high school get, football We'll get to Chicago next. Chicago. We'll, I'll but, talk about Chicago next. Just because yeah, you said but, that. Yeah, 
because we just because now it's on the division topic anyway. Like everybody says, oh, you know, you say Chicago's winning that division. No, Lions. no, we're saying we're saying oh, okay. we're saying Chicago <laughs> won't be there. Green Bay won't be there. The yeah, Vikings, like, but we're saying that the Lions are the only good team in that division. The Lions are the right. only good team in that division. Minnesota is not going to win every one score game again. Bears are nope. not good despite Justin Fields. Justin Fields didn't look great today either. Uh, you know, I have a and, rant about that. I'm I'm saving it. I have a rant. About <laughs> I, that. I, I don't know why everyone's hyping him up. I don't. Hang I don't on, we'll we'll get but, to it. We'll get to and it. then and then you know Jordan Love stats look you know good, but good for Jordan Love is just all right, all right. So it's like Lions. So it's like the Vikings show nothing, and I, and I think, like we talk about Week One games being bad. This is who the Vikings are. This isn't going to change. It's week like, one, but we already learned this four years ago. We know what exactly, this team is, and we're not exactly. we're not learning anything new. Like like all the other games, we know these teams can can fix whatever mistakes they have, or they can at least mask them. The Vikings, this is who they are. So it's like this is this is the most like this doesn't tell us anything. Just like the rest of the week one games don't tell us anything, but this doesn't tell us anything for the wrong reasons. Because yeah. this is who this is who Minnesota is. Can continue on that point. I mean, you know, I I think your comparison of of those four guys is really important because um, there are probably a, a quarter of the quarterbacks in the league are like that. You know, where it's like. I, I saw this meme one time. It said the NFL is a bunch of Kirk Cousins. There's Kirk Cousins, and then there's um and then Jimmy Garoppolo is handsome Kirk Cousins. Um Born Boy, we call him on the show. Well, yeah. Uh, um and then uh, well, and then Dak Prescott is uh, half black Kirk Cousins. And then <laughs> and then um Derek Carr is eyeliner Kirk Cousins. Uh, Tannehill is Kirk Cousins' cousin. Um, <laughs> Baker Mayfield is Walmart Kirk Cousins. You know, it's oh, like man. it's just it's these guys who all play this exact same way. It's like they are they're decent game managers, but not much else. Brock Purdy, young Kirk Cousins. <laughs> oh damn! I'm not. I I don't feel that way at all after that. I don't either. But you know what I'm saying. Um, yeah. Cooper Rush uh, is in the game. Yeah. Cooper Rush is so, in the game. I, I would think at forty to nothing in the fourth quarter. But you know, uh, the thing is, like, you have to. If you have one of these guys, they're good. If the offense is, you know, if the offense works for them, and a lot of times it doesn't. Um, so you know, you just have to, you have to play to their strengths, like Brandon was saying, and uh, a lot of times. They don't. So, and that is what the Anyways. Bucks did today. Again, was it pretty? Yep. Hell no, it was not. It was boring. It was exhausting, but it worked. They won by three. And you know what? The Bucks might win a few more games like that this year. Probably every single one of their wins are going to look exactly like that. I, I can't believe this. Eagles. I can't believe this. Vikings learn something from Tampa Bay. Because learn wow. something from your opponent. Because that that's that's what happened today. Um, Bears learn to not put your quarterback in the clouds like he's in heaven. 
Stop doing this. I I <laughs> I, I don't understand. I, I, okay, for all the physical gifts that Justin Fields has, which is a lot of them, and I think apropos that he could play at a quote-unquote, I'm just going to say it, at a quote-unquote Jalen Hurts level. I still think that that's a possibility for him. But I am exhausted with watching him run this Bears offense. It's mm-hmm. gone to a point where I just, I, I, I want to puke. I almost puked watching it. Because it's just, it's <laughs> it's so, I've never, like, okay, so, and, and here's the thing that really infuriates me the most. The thing that infuriates me the most about what the Bears did today is that you make this great trade to get DJ Moore. And it's almost like none of their receivers, including DJ Moore, on the, are on the field. It's just, yeah, it's just not existent. It doesn't, it doesn't like the offensive line gets trampled. And then, and then here's field just running for his life. Every single play. Like it's, it's the guy's not even developing on the field. That's my, that's the thing that annoys me. I can't even get a good look at him and say, Oh, here's what I think about him because it, it, it doesn't compute what they're doing with him. I can't tell you like, just like, just like with Strout, Richardson, um, uh, oh my God, Bryce Young, they all kind of had the same game today where it was like, okay, they got pressured a lot, showed some flashes. I'm not going to learn anything from that. And then what I realized is, oh my God, Justin Fields is in year three and I'm having that same exact thought. <laughs> it, it's, it's, it's scary. Yeah. It's, it's atrocious. It's scary. It's pukable. It's just disgusting. Shane, your thoughts. I don't, to be honest, I don't see him developing to a better quarterback. Not necessarily on the on the Bears, but just not with what they're trying to do right now with um you know with somebody like Matt Eberflus or uh you know I, I think if I were them, if I were the Bears because I love to play if I were the general manager, I <laughs> I would have tried to get Shane Steichen as a head coach this offseason as opposed to sticking with a guy like Eberflus mm-hmm. who, uh, you know, coached your team to the worst record in football last year. Uh, <laughs> you know, so I'm... Yeah, and obviously we know that Shane Steichen has a talent for developing quarterbacks. Um, Herbert, Hurts, there's other guys I can't think of right now, but, you know, and they've all turned out pretty good. So, (laughs) I mean, it's like, yeah, let's try that again. Um, But, you know, I just, it kind of reminds me of, like, the Bills with Josh Allen. You know, there's just, it's like a defensive head coach who doesn't really totally know what to do with offense. So he's like, here, just go be Superman and we'll win. Um, which is not a sustainable strategy, <laughs> uh, especially come January. So, yeah. And and that's a lot of where Josh Allen also was early in his career before he kind of popped off where it's like they kind of just let him do whatever. And then when he actually got 
offensive minded guys who know what to do with him. Look at what he is. Like Fields has this. Every time I watch Fields, I'm like, oh my god, his field, his physical gifts pop off the page so much. Even his throwing, as bad as those throws have to be, because he's getting pressured. Like it's looks pretty dang good, and yet it doesn't matter. Brandon, what do you think? Uh, you know what's crazy? It's it's the same thing. I was gonna mention Shane Steichen too, just because. Look at what the Colts did today with him, right? And Anthony Richardson. Richardson's not a good thrower of the football because we saw that in preseason. We knew it was a project. He still got Anthony Richardson to complete 24, 37 passes. Still throw a touchdown pass, 223 yards. I mean, for a rookie, that's not too terrible. So, and, and you know, for and for for that game, I thought Richardson looked ugly, but not like in a bad way, ugly. Not yeah, like in a in a growing pains, ugly. Yeah, like. You know, it's the same thing. Like he's like, and it's against why... the Jags defense, who's not terrible. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which is actually pretty good. It's like, you know, and it's the same thing with you know Jalen Hurts taking the leap under Shane Steichen. That that's exactly what happened. Like Justin Fields, if they want him to be that kind of quarterback, they needed to get somebody that kind of once again helps him play. Like, you know, develop. You know, learn from his weaknesses, develop his strengths, grow into that quarterback. But we're watching the same thing every year with Justin Fields. Right now, we're watching the same thing. You know that we're seeing basically from last year because like the continuation of last year. At least this this game. I mean, this is still Week One, but this game feels like a continuation of last year. There's the promises, there's the flashes, but the Bears not a good football team, and Justin Fields is 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 just inconsistent. Like you know, they brought in DJ Moore, and everybody had this big thing about. You know, DJ Moore, the leading receiver today was Darnell Mooney, who had four catches for 53 yards and a touchdown. That's it. Like, DJ Moore was way down on the list. DJ Moore was their fifth leading receiver today. So not even second or third, fifth. That's very concerning and very scary. Like, and then after, after, this is so bad. When I'm looking at the rest of the names, after Darnell Mooney, Cole Komet, who was his big target last year, Cole Komet, then Khalil Herbert, your running back, was your third leading receiver. Your second and then, running back, by the way. I don't think he's Yeah. And then, and then uh, was it Roshan Johnson? Yeah. Who's like, yeah. And he was their fourth. And then it was DJ Moore. So that's, and it was what? Oh. So, yeah. And it was only two catches for 25 yards. You, you didn't bring DJ Moore in to do that. You brought him in to be the pretty much the guy in Chicago with Justin Fields together. And see and get more out of both those guys by pairing them up together, but we didn't see it today. And it feels like, especially against a Packers team that's that's not good, and the Packers blew them out. Is is not that's concerning? Like like we say, week one is just week one. So sure, this could change next week, but I don't think it will because we've seen again, like we said with the Vikings, we've seen this with Justin Fields already for exactly. years. That this like you know most of, like I said like we said most of these other games are literally like they're they're not telling, but in a good way because they, they you know these teams are going to build off of this, whereas this Bears game and the Vikings game are not telling, but in a in a bad way like and I would argue is, the Titans are in that list too so there you go like I wouldn't say like every team is this week but in terms of like the bad teams that that it shows that they're bad. This Vikings, yeah, and the Titans. The Titans put up 15 points and they struggled mightily all game. So, you know, this is, you know, like when you look at those three teams, 
versus teams like Kansas City who lost. You know, they lost for other reasons other than just this is who they are. Philly, Philly barely won the game, but for other reasons, Justin, this is who they are. Because these are those are not the teams that they're, they're they're supposed to be. Whereas this is what Chicago is, this is what Tennessee is, this is what Minnesota is, and it's not going to change unless by some divine intervention or or a light bulb goes off of any one of the coaching staff's heads or the players because if they execute at the end of the day. Unless that happens, this these are who the, at least those bottom teams are. This is who they're going to be the rest of the season. And they should be taking another step, but they're not. And it's the same thing. Like This is why I said last week on the pod, Justin Fields, everybody wants to say he's going to take this Jalen Hurts leap. I can tell you right now he's not going to. It probably won't be for another year and until they change what they're doing. Because if, if they don't, you know, get something better around him than just the system they're working off of. If they don't, and if they don't start putting this team to get, you know, into gear and building around him, other than just adding DJ Moore and kind of he needs a team they can grow with. If you don't start kind of, you know, grooming him to be the next Jalen Hurts or to take that leap, it's not going to happen, and it's not going to happen based off of this game. It's not going to happen the rest of the season. And then if you don't, if it doesn't happen, if it doesn't happen by the end of the season, at least there's going to be real concerns going into next season when he's still your starting quarterback. And I'm gonna, I'm just gonna throw this out there because it, it'd be like Trevor Lawrence said to Stanley Richardson, you know, protect yourself, right? Every young quarterback needs to learn that. I think Richardson mm-hmm. is still going to learn that as he goes through. I, I think Fields is doing as much as he can to protect himself. He's not getting protection from his offensive line. The dude's. I'm scared to say this, but I think by the end of October, he's probably going to get hurt and probably miss a month because it's just the same garbage and the guy's just going to run for his life all the time. Yeah. On the flip side, Shane, what are your thoughts on Jordan Love today and moving forward? Are you confident that he can develop this year or no? Well, I don't know. Uh... <laughs> I don't know. With he's he's a complicated case. Um, I mean, you know, real quick with Justin Fields, like yeah, I think, no, please, please go ahead, please finish. I that. think one, I think one more thing that's important to consider too is that uh, him being at Ohio State helped him massively because he had incredible talent all around him. And he was playing in the Big Ten, which at the time was had very lousy defenses. <laughs> yeah. So he, you know, then he comes to the NFL and it's like, oh, yeah. crap. Um, but anyways, Jordan Love, I mean, you know, he looked, I mean, he didn't look amazing today, but he definitely looked, um, he looked a lot more, comfortable than he has in the past and um which i mean you know he should be he's this is what year four for him now year one as a starter of course but um year four in that building and um you know he has a fairly decent o-line in front of him good running back help so it's not like he's and an offensive head coach, which obviously helps a young quarterback. Um, so all the 
you know, all the tools I would say are, are there to help him progress. It's just a matter of, you know, will he? And, um, you know, I mean, today was promising. Yeah, again, it's only week one. It's, you know, got to see a little more, but, um, you know, I, I could see how this would be going in the, in the right direction for sure. Yeah, the, the, I think there is potential there, but we'll see. I, I think complicated is the right word for him right now, Brandon, right? Yeah. I When I look at Jordan Love, it's, you know, we know that he's probably just not going to be great. You know, this isn't going to be, you know, Brett Favre grooming Aaron Rodgers. You know, this is, this is you know, and you figure that maybe Jordan Love, look, like we said, Jordan Love didn't look great, but it was it was good enough, especially against a, a weaker Bears team. But this this is gonna get like once again, here's another telling thing. Like it's it's crazy to think this. So he had three touchdown passes here, right? You know, the three touchdowns, no picks, that might jump out at people. But two of the touchdowns were to were to Dobbs, who only had twenty six yards total. And then their leading receiver was Aaron Jones, who had two catches for 86 yards and a touchdown. So, like, you know, people will, will look at the touchdown to interception ratio and things like that, and they'll be like, oh, yeah, he had a decent game, you know, 15 for 27. Okay, so his completion percentage isn't great, but it can, you know, it can be fixed, you know, 245 yards, okay, stuff like that. But Jordan Love is 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 just like, Okay, this is your first year to start or sure, but you should be better by year four, especially learning under Aaron Rodgers. You should be prepared for this. And it just seems like he's not quite it's just not there. And we've said that all offseason. This, this isn't gonna be your franchise quarterback for the package. Also, the fact that this was the four thirty game on Fox is disgusting. Oh, it was um, it, yeah. I uh, Burkhart and Olsen doing this game pissed me off. It yeah, just they, did. They, it they, pissed they deserve me off. better. It just pissed me off. Um, it was it was pretty bad. Um, on the flip side, I have a Super Bowl contender for you all. I have I have my first one that I'm like, yeah, they're they're gonna they're there and they're gonna stay there the whole year. Your San Francisco 49ers. Yeah, yeah, for yeah. you, Brandon Shane, you. Oh yeah, yeah. I yeah I um I don't know if I send it to you guys but um before thursday my preseason super bowl prediction was kansas city versus san francisco um who wins what's your score god i don't know um i mean i know i should take the chiefs because nine times out of ten the better quarterback wins a super bowl but what's even more rare is a team repeating. So I'm like, I don't know. Um, I guess it depends on how the season goes for Purdy. Um, Which I think it's going swimmingly right now, and it can only get better. I mean, yeah. I, you know, ever since his first start last season, I was like, okay, this, you know, this guy, he might not be amazing, but he definitely works for San Francisco. Um and, you know, I was worried it would just be kind of a, a fluke, but it seems like 
probably not. I mean, he had the torn UCL and the surgery and everything, but he looks fine. And um, yeah, I mean, this is this is a very stacked team. <laughs> they don't. The thing is, they don't need. Uh, you know, everybody says that. Oh well, Purdy's so limited. Sure, but I mean, they don't need you know a Josh Allen or a Mahomes in San Francisco because. First of all, there's talent everywhere, but also it's just the offense is designed in a way that they just need somebody who's smart and an accurate passer. That's what he is. So, uh, you know, they don't need their quarterback to, like I said earlier, to be Superman. <laughs> that's just not that's not how they how they go. So, um, yeah, this is definitely if they can stay healthy. I think this is. Definitely going to be a dangerous team. Brandon, give me your thoughts on on the Niners so far. So the Niners, <clears throat> I mean, they're always going to be there. That that's why even even if even if they barely won today, I would have said the same thing about like teams like like Philly, like the Chiefs who lost, but still the Chiefs. Like they're going to be there at the end of the season. That you know this, but today it's funny. <laughs> It's funny because I have a friend who's a Steelers fan. He had a dream the other night that the Steelers were going to win thirty-one to seven, and the Niners win thirty to seven. But so he was like, "Oh, like he he texted me when they were up, like so was it like fourteen, no, like seventeen, nothing, whatever it was." And he was like, "Yeah, I think my dream was in reverse." Um, but he, uh, but like that, that's the thing. Like with Brock Purdy, like believe me, he's a he's a good quarterback. I like him a lot. But like you know, but even though the the, the score says thirty to seven, he wasn't responsible for that. Like Niners defense killed the Steelers and put them in good in yeah. good position to score. Like Purdy only put up two hundred twenty yards and two TDs. He didn't light the world on fire against the Steelers. So like, but he doesn't have to. As Shane said, he doesn't. Yeah, have no, to. that's some that's what I'm saying. Like he doesn't have to, which is which is a good thing. But it's just but like Christian McCaffrey had a great day. Um, but. When it comes to the the thing is with the Niners, as much as I think they're a contender, what makes me hesitant to to say that they're going to be in the Super Bowl is just the fact that, like, game managers can can obviously win in this league, but can they win the Super Bowl? I don't think so. Game managers just don't, to me, don't win championships. Like you know, you Nick have Foles. to. No, because Nick Foles went off in that game. He went off in that game. He went off. He went off in yeah. against the he was, Vikings. He was just he was just different in the playoffs. He just became yeah. a different quarterback. I mean, yeah. yeah. But also, like, look at how he played also in the twenty what thirteen season when he went twenty seven and two. Right. Like he, he he did light it up that year. So he, he like he, the thing with Nick Foles is that he just didn't have a the teams around him were not great. So he, they kind of just played off what they had with him, like. But still, like, but with this Eagles team, the Eagles team that won, he had a great team around him. Defense was good, and the offense was was pretty good. Like, this was a team that that was destined to go all the way, no matter who the quarterback was. So, yeah, it's just that it's just that you could say the same thing for the Niners, no matter who. Like, I like Purdy, but it seems like I mean, with Jimmy G, they've made it far. You know, like this isn't something where it's like, and Jimmy G was the same thing, game manager. Jimmy G's not gonna light it up either. So, like. To me, everybody wants to fixate on Brock Purdy. Like, listen, he's a good quarterback, but he, to me, his play style is, it's like he's different than Jimmy G in some ways, 
but he's a game manager like Jimmy G, and that did not win them a Super Bowl. So it's like as much as like not Purdy, close, but like it's like it's it. just like it's just like yeah, it came close. But it's like, are they a contender? Absolutely, they're, they're always going to be. The Niners are a great team, but they need more than just a game managing type quarterback to win it all because their defense is great. But remember, they also played the Steelers, who, even though the Steelers were expected to take a jump this year, and I still think they can, like, you know, the Steelers are still not a great football team, period. So I wouldn't let a blot against the Steelers, you know, kind of, you know, say that, oh, the Niners are, like, like Super Bowl contenders, yes, but a lot to make the Super Bowl, I don't see it yet. I wouldn't I say a lot. I just think that they're the one team that, like, okay – you showed me at the end of the day that you are there and you're going to sit there, right? That the first team for me, yeah, that's, that's like, yeah. That's fair. That's fair. Yeah. Yeah. That's kind of where I'm at. Yeah. Yeah. And with that, let's take a break. When we come back, we are going to talk about the aforementioned Jimmy G against surprisingly good Russell Wilson performance against the Broncos uh, due Monday night. And then our post credit scene on the movie Collateral. Very excited for that. Uh, first, handsome Jimmy Garoppolo. Good. Or Kirk Cousins. Dang it. <laughs> <laughs> all right. We'll see you all after break. <laughs> all right. We're back from break. I was trying to... So I, I'm trying to think about the best way to approach this discussing Raiders-Broncos. Because number one is, I think all we learned from the Raiders is that uh, is that Adams and Garoppolo is going to just look great all year. And it's going to be fine. They're going to be fine. They're probably just going to be average. There, there's not much there to like really discuss, I think, for most of the year. I, as for the Broncos, as I'm thinking about that game more today, um, as the day went along after it finished, I was like, okay, what? Like he played better, but how do I explain it? Because it feels weird. And the... the I think so. Sean Payton said all those quotes, and we've laughed and talked about it all off season. But I think there's something we missed in all of that, which is how. So I think it's important how your head head coach views how a head coach views their quarterback, and the comments that Payton made were really bizarre in terms of how he viewed Russell Wilson. And if you look back at Russell in kind of that let Russ cook day, Shane, you know what I'm talking about? Like September, October, he goes off, has like a really good few months of football and that's his best football, right? That's very clear. His best football. I I look at it and go like, okay, that was the more of like a calculated risk. Like, okay, he's going to make calculated risks in terms of how he throws the ball, like that era of Russell Wilson. Then last year it was a down year. And I think this year, it's almost like he's just, week one i get it but in one week he's just champagne's like okay fundamental football uh run for five yards if you need to run do a short pass if you need to pass it uh and not much else it's just smart safety football and you guys are mentioning the game managers earlier i can't believe i'm saying this but i think sean payton views russell wilson as a game manager he brings in Jared Stidham. He does. He, he, he Russell Wilson plays like he did today. I I know it's week one, but I'm worried this is just how he views him. 
And I think he's almost trying to view him like that so that he can get the quarterback of his choice in the future, which I think could be a possibility. It may seem a little facetious, but that's what I saw today. I saw him just doing nothing special, having a better game, but just he did nothing special or unique or anything we've seen. And also, he again just looks older. And it's really weird and really bizarre. And watching the Broncos play is still a weird experience. And it's almost weirder this week because it was just like, it was nothing much. And because of that, they lost by one point. Shane, am I, am I, am I off my rocker a little bit here? Mm, I would say a little bit. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, it's a fair take. Like, don't get me wrong. Um, I just, I mean, because the thing is, Russ ultimately is not a game manager, and Sean Payton knows that. Uh, he's, I mean, yeah, he's slower than he used to be, but yeah, he's 34. Of course he's going to be. Um, but, or 35, however old he is, doesn't matter. I I think what today was, it, it wasn't, you know, Sean Payton saying, okay, this is what you are. It was just him going back to, like you said, fundamentals. Because last year, you know, I, I mean, he shouldn't have said the whole thing about how the Nathaniel Hackett coaching thing was dis- was a disaster. Um, but he was right. I mean, <laughs> it, it absolutely was. Um, and so, you know, he, I think he's just, it's kind of like, it sort of reminds me of Doug Peterson in Jacksonville last year, you know, where for the first, uh, you know, like half of the season, it was just very simple because he was still kind of trying to, uh, you know, do some, uh, uh, what do you, damage control from last year and saying like, okay, well, let's just, you know, let's not complicate things right now. Let's just go back to basic things fundamental stuff and then as they all get used to each other i think we're going to start to see more of the old russ if they keep doing well with this um you know it'll help when jerry judy's back for sure and um you know in the meantime though they just i think have to they just stay locked in with what they're doing right now because it's you know, last season shouldn't have gone the way it did. <laughs> Let's just say, say that. So, um, yeah, I guess that's kind of where I'm at with all of it. Brittany, your thoughts? It's funny. I, I kind of look at it a little bit similar to, to Shane, especially when you brought up the Jaguars point, because it, it, that's how it feels. It does feel very Jaguars-ish, especially, you know, knowing that you have to kind of you have to do damage control. You have to simplify things early on in the season, not, not let the players kind of, you know, for the first part of the season, every single year, these teams, and it's not just a Jaguars thing or a Broncos thing or, you know, whatever it is, you know, you have to get used to, you know, just how how things, how the process goes. If the football, even though it's not a, a long season, it's a long season for these players. So, like, you know, I don't think – you know, Sean Payton definitely knows, like Shane just said, it's that, you know, that Russell Wilson is not a game manager. It's, it's never how he's been. But at the same time, 
you also have to realize that, like this to me, it almost feels like late stages Matt Ryan, where you know what he was in his prime, you know what he can be, like you know, but he's not going to get back to that point. So you kind of have to almost get back to the fundamentals of football. You have to build it kind of from the ground up again. And I think that's kind of why today it was kind of just like one of those eh, games. It was just like his completion percentage was, was pretty good, but yardage-wise, touchdown-wise, all that stuff wasn't great. It, it felt like a game manager type game, but it's like when you look at Matt Ryan late stage of his career, that's kind of what Matt Ryan became. Kind of game manager-ish, just see what we can get out of him and keep moving forward, keep at least trying to make some sort of progress. Now, Matt Ryan's, you know, Late thirties, pretty much, you know. But Russell Wilson's getting to that point; he's mid thirties now. So it's like I kind of see it the same way. Just that the Jaguars have a had a better system in place when Doug Pearson came there, whereas the the Broncos are just a mess entirely. So it's like you know I can see the the comparison, but it's still a, a way different situation. But oh yeah, but it's just like when I look at Russell Wilson. I just wonder, I guess, last year was not great. It was abysmal. And then, like, this year, what can you really expect out of Russell Wilson at this point? Like, you know, you would hope it goes up from here. It can't be worse than it was last year because there's no way. Russell Wilson was basically the worst quarterback in the NFL last year. Like, there's no way it should get worse. And today was, like, a good step forward. But if you're trying to turn Russell Wilson into – like, I know we know Sean Payton knows he's not a game manager, but if that's what you're trying to make him into, this team's not going to go anywhere just like last year. It's – like, Russell Wilson might look a little better than he did last year, but you need to kind of – there has to be some sort of ground between letting Russ cook and, hey, no, we got to rein you back in. Like, there has to be some – that's the only way the Broncos can succeed. That's the only way that – you're going to keep Russell Wilson in check, still let him do like a few of the things he can probably still do. I mean, he's older now, but you know, th- there's still some flashes there here and there, but it's just it, the Broncos are in such a weird spot right now where I, I just don't know. You just want to make of the whole situation. I thought Sean Payton would be the guy to fix Russell Wilson. Well, not fix him, but at least get him, to be a somewhat competent quarterback versus last season. It seems like he was kind of like that today. I mean, you know, it wasn't eye popping, but you know, like early on in the game, he only, he was he 15 to 17. Yeah. Two teams, like like they, the only problem is they didn't score in the second half. They scored what? Three, three points in the yeah, second half. So, yeah. So, you know, early for the first half, it was pretty good. It was, it, it looked really good. And then just in the second half, it just, it was, it, you know, the Raiders basically had made adjustments more or less, and then it just ended up being a comeback win for the Raiders. But if you can bottle that first half performance from Russell Wilson and build off the things he did well, not saying he has to go ballistic, let Russ cook, you know, Broncos country, let's ride. Oh, don't but, win anymore. But, but, but at the same time, you know, and then, you know, you know, go Hawks at the end of, at the end of every interview. I realized how dumb that was last year. I was like, oh. But but at the same time, you also have you also can't treat him as a game manager. So you can't let him go ballistic like you did last year. Like, I don't know what that middle ground looks like going forward, but the only way the Broncos can have any success this season is if they find that middle ground between 
letting him let Russ cook and you know being that game manager like you have like because you know that Russell Wilson is a great quarterback in his prime he was like you know it's not like it's not like we're saying like a Brock Purdy where it's game manager Jimmy G game manager like he should not Russell Wilson should not Kirk be Cousins. a game Kirk manager. Cousins. <laughs> Kirk, yeah. yeah Kirk Cousins <laughs> but at the same time like it's like you have to kind of treat him like I said, like with that middle ground, I don't know how else to explain it. Like that's just how it is. It's the only way the Broncos do well this year, especially when Jerry Judy yeah. comes back, is to be in that middle ground between game manager and letting him cook. I forgot Jerry Judy was out. It was because even Corton's son was pretty solid, I guess. But but Shane, you and I know what that middle ground is because we watched the Seahawks every week late, like like last three years, Russell Wilson in Seattle. It was okay, let him do his thing, but we're gonna run the ball. Like, that's what the middle ground is, right? And, like, I don't know if they can even get there, this, this Broncos team. Can they get there? Well, I mean, we saw it, you know, with, um, like, in 2020 was a great example because his first five games, they just let him go. And um, he – like there was a lot of good, but he was also throwing a lot of picks and doing a lot of, you know, kind of reckless things. So it's kind of like, eh, you know, like Brandon said, that middle ground. And then, you know, at the time, having um, Chris Carson, Carlos Hyde, pretty good running backs, you know, um, and Javante Williams and Samaj P. Ryan, I mean, they're, you know, they're fine. I just, I don't think they're, you know, like as good of a one-two punch as those guys were, but um, yeah. And there's also the offensive line that you have to consider, which is... Which is not very good, even though I thought they no. were pretty fine today. <laughs> yeah. With the Raiders, no, they, they, defen- with the Raiders yeah. defensive line that only has Max Crosby right now. Yeah. Ooh. Yeah, true. Yeah. So, so, yeah. Yeah, we'll see. Um, yeah, it's going to be interesting to see what they are moving forward, uh, the Denver Broncos. Uh, what we are moving forward is Monday night. Uh, our opener is the Bills versus the Jets. What are your guys' predictions? Please salvage week one. Like, Please have something good for us to end week one. Because, <laughs> because that, that's the one that everybody circled on their calendar for week one was Bill's Jets. That was his division game. Rodgers, Allen, you know, Garrett Wilson, Stephon Diggs. Yeah, you know, like it's it's that's the game that everybody, you know, built great Bills defense, great Jets defense. Like evenly matched teams, division rivals. You know, is this the year that, you know, can the Bills kind of stave off the rest of their division and, you know, prove that they're still number one in the AFC East? Or is Aaron Rodgers going to put the Jets over the top? There's a lot of you know, there's a lot of storylines coming into this game, and it's like, you know, that's the one. Once again, in my backyard, I, I everybody will be going crazy tomorrow uh, before the game. But um, it's just, I when I look at that that game, I just part of me is like, this is either going to be a low scoring mess like the rest of Week One was. Or because this is just two high-powered offenses, despite how great their defenses are, this could be like a, a combined like sixty-point game. So it's like I don't know what to make of it. 
the the one thing I think I'm looking for out of this game in general is just like I have no problems with how Josh Allen probably come out and play or Stephon Diggs. I like actually I actually can do what they got to do. It's what are you getting out of and we said this uh, since Aaron Rodgers signed. What are you getting out of Aaron Rodgers this season? This was a team that barely made the playoffs or uh, just missed the playoffs. You know, when having a rotating door of quarterbacks by the end of the season, you had what, like Strebler, you had Zach, uh, you had Mike White, and you had Zach Wilson, all like rotating door, and they still they almost made the playoffs. They were in it, or at least they were in it until like the final couple weeks. So at least in the picture or in the hunt. So, you know, like because. To getting another step ahead is what it takes for the Jets to make the play. So even if Rodgers just plays like he did last year with the Packers, that could be enough to put him in the playoffs. But are we going to get like we saw Brett Favre when he came to New York? Or are we going to oh, get, heavens. or are we going to get the Aaron Rodgers that we know we can still get? Like, what what does Aaron Rodgers have left in the tank? That's the biggest thing I think tomorrow. That we're gonna see is what does Aaron because we know the Bills are the are the Bills. They're they're still young, they're they're a confident team. They expect to be one of those contenders, you know, in the playoffs. But the Jets are one of those teams we they're a question mark because everybody wants to start picking them as early, like, you know, dark horse Super Bowl contenders. And I'm like, but we don't know what Aaron Rodgers is gonna look like. We know more or less how Josh Allen will pan out. We know what Patrick Mahomes will do. We know what the other AFC, the other what 15 AFC quarterbacks are going to look like that because like, everybody's competing for a playoff spot this year. It's like Aaron Rodgers has to show tomorrow uh, what or yeah tomorrow because five minutes until tomorrow for me. <laughs> um, but like you know he has to show that he like you know, what can you bring to the table that can convince Jets fans that you are what we signed you to like we, we brought you here for a reason and that's to win so this is the first test and it's a big test this isn't like you know this isn't like jets and you know jets browns where you know, you know yeah the browns won today but the browns aren't a good football team like you know but they're still better than than, than what people might think their defense is still good but i'm saying like this is jets bills bills are a contender so this is going to be a real test like we always say, the week one games are not going to count, or at least you know, because everybody kind of looks like a mess today, and especially with that the Chiefs Lions, that game, you know, how messy the Chiefs look. But this game is going to be real telling because this is going to be the one that, yeah, for lack of a better word, this is the one where it's like there's there's no excuse you can make now if Aaron Rodgers looks bad in this game because this is against the contender. This is and this is like, you know, I don't know if I don't know what the weather's supposed to be like for tomorrow. For and it'll set Matt the tone. Lattin. Yeah, it's going to set the tone for the season. It's going to set the tone for Jets fans, for Bills fans. Like this game is the biggest game of the week, but it, it's one of the biggest games that you like. You know, in previous years when you circled Bills, Dolphins, Bills, Jets, Bills, Patriots, the games weren't exciting because it was always a you know one team had a bigger advantage. These two teams are evenly matched, and these two teams both have a, enormous talent. That this is like, this is going to show us. I don't think it's going to show us – it's going to more so be telling of what the Jets are than the Bills. And that's going to be, you know, it's going to be interesting to see what happens in my backyard tomorrow night between those two. Dan, your thoughts on the match? Well, you know, um, I think 
uh, than, you know, like MVP Rodgers from the year before because he is playing with probably the worst offensive line in his career and possibly the worst wide receivers of his career. I mean, Garrett Wilson is great, but that's kind of all you got. I mean, other than that, you got a bunch of just threes. Lazard, Cobb, I mean, what's, what are you going to do with them? Um, you know, so it, I I don't... Yeah, especially with how loaded the AFC is, I just don't see them doing much better than they did last year, if they do better at all. Um, that being said, I think tomorrow will be a low, close, low-scoring game. Seems to be how things usually go when these two meet. Um, I'd probably say like 20 to 14 bills. Um, but, you know, we'll see. It's going to be interesting for sure. I look at the I, first off. I look at the Jets, and I don't think they're going to be very good because I don't. And and the reason isn't the rest of the roster; it's Aaron Rodgers. Because I look at it and I'm like, yeah. it's almost like the entire world, minus people in Vegas, because I think Vegas has been really interesting, especially seeing a lot of people do Packers wins more games than the Jets which is an interesting bet that people have done, especially getting closer to this weekend. I, I, I love what the jets are as a roster, but I, I think people have just kind of lost control about like last year, Aaron Rodgers looked terrible. He looked really bad. And people have seemed to just forget that that ever happened. He looked really bad last year. And I can't, and I can't see a new atmosphere just magically changing that, especially against a good Bills defense. I am interested to see, especially for the Bills, what James Cook does. I think that's going to be very telling. What James Cook's performance is tomorrow, as Shane and I have talked about for years, that Bills running game is never what it needs to be, and I think that's why yeah. James Cook is important tomorrow. But for the Jets, I'm like, if anything. Tomorrow is going to tell me one thing, and I think tomorrow it's going to tell everyone the thing I've been saying all offseason, the Jets are a bad football team. I only have them winning three or four games. I think they're going to be abysmal. Okay. Not that bad. Yeah, <laughs> no, I wouldn't say it's that bad. I think I genuinely think it's that I, bad. I think like seven or eight. I, I genuinely, the more I think about it, the more I think it's generally going to be that bad. And look, if I'm wrong, I'll eat my words. I made a bet that the Falcons win more games than the Jets this year. I made a ten dollar bet that the Falcons win more games than the Jets. I mean, that's yeah, that's like like crazy. You, you see what I mean? Like I just don't have that belief in them. And again, that might seem weird, but I look at it and I'm like, okay, like I, I don't know. I look, I look at number eight. In that Jets jersey, and I go, have fun this year, man. You're you're gonna get sacked a bunch of times. Your only good receiver is Garrett Wilson. Yeah. Like, have fun this year because it's gonna get ugly, and it could get ugly fast tomorrow. And I I predict it's gonna get ugly pretty fast. What isn't gonna get? Well, you ugly? know, history history does repeat itself. 
and it yeah. Has, yeah. certainly has in their careers. Yeah, nearly yep. identical. Yeah, I, I, I can't. Know, I can't. I just can't see like people make this big like, like once again people think of Aaron Rodgers and they think oh great quarterback, but we forget he's going to turn forty in December. This guy's thirty nine and a half. He was horrible like, last year. That's my point. He was awful last it, year. Like, no one like, remembers it because it's like awful for Aaron Rodgers is like a quarterback's like maybe second best season. I so thought he was like, Russell you know, Wilson bad last year. That's what I'm trying to say. I don't think he was that bad, but like, but but he definitely was not Aaron Rodgers last season. And people were like, you know, I know a lot of Jets fans in this area. I know people that are in my fancy leagues are Jets fans. I'm like, you guys have so much faith in a 40 year old quarterback. It's ridiculous because the only 40 year old quarterback that's ever succeeded in the NFL is is Tom Brady. But but Tom Brady and and and, ha- and half of Brett Favre in a Vikings uniform. That's yeah. it. Yeah, that's actually true. But like, but yeah, but that was just a, that was a fluke. But like, you know, like like Brady was it was sustained into his forties. Yeah. yeah, like it's like you know people got to realize you know you know yeah the the standard for quarterback is to play until you're in your late thirties and forty. But like this guy isn't gonna play until he's forty five and be like Tom Brady. That's not that's what he happen. wants to do, but it's not gonna happen. It's not gonna happen. And I guarantee you once he gets beat up this season behind that Jets O line, he'll be rethinking his decision to not only come there, but to play till forty five. He might rethinking in a in a dark room once again this offseason. Yeah, on his ayahuasca trip. Maybe I'll run into him again in Hawaii for the third time. Oh my God, Jesus! We're not. Uh, we're not hey, what's going on? Know, man? Like, it sounds like we're bashing him. At the end of the day, we'd all, we would all love to have his autograph because Aaron Rodgers is one of the greatest quarterbacks ever to play the game. But let's stop thinking like like there there are still NFL execs out there that have Aaron Rodgers in their top five. Be for real. Be for yeah. real. Aaron Rodgers is not top five. Stop. Are you on the same ayahuasca that he was on? Like, because there's no way you can believe Aaron Rodgers is still a top five quarterback. That's ridiculous. No, it's and he might he might be barely top ten, barely, and that's that's even pushing it. Yeah. So so like, I don't I don't like that people still think he's top five. Please find a better hobby other than talking about sports or being an NFL exec, something else. Because if you think he's top five, you're you're high. Um. Or or I, I was uh. I was going to transition to collateral, but uh, let's let's do it now. Uh, so basically, this year for our post credits, when we get together and do these shows on Sunday or Monday, however the schedule kind of works out, uh, we're going to have Shane pick a movie every week for us to watch. A movie most likely we haven't seen, maybe some we have, and discuss it. This week we're doing 2004's Collateral, Tom Hanks and Jamie Foxx. Tom Shane, Cruise. What? What did you say, Shane? Tom, I said Tom Cruise, not wow. Tom Hanks. Tom I always Hanks say Tom Hanks when Tom I think Hanks of Tom Cruise. Would have been a hell of a movie. Been oh yeah, would have been, been crazy. a hell of a movie in that role. Uh, I I gotta talk. Part of that is because Tom Cruise looks flipping weird in that movie with his hair. Yeah, he does. It that's yeah. it made me think he's more Tom Hanks than that. But Shane, I'll have you start with this, and every time we do this, you're gonna start and kind of lead us into why you chose the film, why you love the film. And then uh, we'll go and give our thoughts. So I first saw this movie when I was four. <laughs> I'm not kidding. I, I don't remember any of it from that first watch, mind you. 
Um, but, you know, my mom was out of town. She never would have let me watch this. But my dad's downstairs in the media room. He's watching it. And I was like, Dad, what's this movie? He said, oh, it's collateral. Oh, come on, watch. And I was like, okay. So <laughs> here I am at, you know, four years old listening to Tom Cruise cuss at Jamie Foxx and whatever. Anyways. So then when I was like 18, 19, I rewatched it or really watched it for my first time. Um because I actually knew what was going on. And I I was blown away because this is this is a very simple story, really, but it's the themes that run through it and the the journey that these two characters go through in one night is just spectacular. Um it's so I mean it's just it's so deep because of who they are, particularly Tom Cruise character, Vince. Um, I really have to do spoilers on this. Yes, we are. Especially, it's, it's I think, old movie. I think, old well, movie. okay, number one is whatever. I feel movie. like you need to. I feel, I feel like the right way to do this segment for the whole year is to do spoilers. So we're just going to do spoilers for okay. this segment. So if you haven't seen this movie, um, go turn watch off. it. and uh, Turn it turn off and off, come back. But tune, in, but tune in next week. Thank you. Um, well, no, turn, so, turn off, watch the movie, come back. Yeah, then come back. There you go. There you go. Yeah, yeah. No, so, um, anyways, so, you know, I just, I mean, there are so many different things in the, in the movie that are great, but it, one thing that I really loved was how it constantly created tension in all sorts of different ways. Like, you know, uh, Vince forces, Jamie Foxx's character Max to put a body that Vince killed in the trunk of his taxi car, and then a cop pulls him over. Oh, you got a cracked windshield. Oh, how'd you get that? Oh, oh, uh, oh shoot. How's he gonna get out of this? Oh, I hit a deer. Then, oh, okay, yeah. And then he's like, "Well, this vehicle's not safe to drive. I'm gonna need you to uh, pull over, pop the trunk." And I was like, "Oh." Crap. And then you know, you just see Vince's hand slowly going to his gun, and you're like. Oh God, is he gonna like kill him? You know, it's just stuff like that constantly throughout the movie. Um, and he gets, you know, he gets in all these crazy shootouts and whatever else. But my favorite scenes in the movie really were, um, or I guess are the scenes uh, just of the two of them in the taxi. Because it's yeah. it's almost like a confessional booth. For the two of them, yes, like, it's just, yes. Yeah. you know what I mean. And they and just they start on polar opposites. And I like in the first ten minutes how his first uh, customer or whatever you call it, client is client, client. Yeah, is this lawyer, and she's smart, successful. She's funny. You know, they have this great conversation, a little flirty. You know, it's like okay, this is cool. And then uh, Vince gets in the car and he asks, Max asks him the same questions, but it's totally different. Instead of like, oh, yeah, you know, I'm new to town. Vince is like, no, I hate this city. I want to get the hell out of here. Yeah. And you just, you know, it's the tone is just instantly like, ooh, okay, this guy's interesting. Um, But uh, anyways, it's, yeah. So, and not to mention the ending of the movie is set up in the first 10 minutes of the movie. Yeah, and yeah. I, and you never I, see I didn't, it coming. I never saw it coming, even though it was said. But up. it ties it back it. together. Yeah. And so, anyways, yeah. Go ahead, guys. 
Uh, let's take a quick break and we'll get our thoughts All in right, yeah. full um, about Collateral. Very excited to get our thoughts in it. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah. All right, we're back from our final break of the night. We're talking about Collateral. Brandon, uh, give us your thoughts on the film. See, when I was when I was growing up, I always knew about it because it's funny. Uh, like my grandfather, uh, always like especially when I was little because I was four in two thousand four. Uh, like I always like I always remember my grandfather always loved like like those kind of gritty like action thriller like dramatic like kind of movies and shows like he loved the sopranos obviously because we're from new jersey we have to love the sopranos um but i don't know so i don't live too far from any of the places in the sopranos by the way um so nice. so uh but when it comes to collateral like he was like oh hey, you gotta watch this movie like same like almost like how your dad was like hey come watch this movie shane like my grandfather's like oh you gotta watch this movie at some point he's like it's really good he's like He's like, I know you like Jamie Foxx as like an actor, you know, because the guy's like a triple threat because the guy sing, dances, acts, all that good stuff, comedian. Like, oh yeah, you know, I like Jamie Foxx because he's just uh, he does everything. Um, but like, and then Tom Cruise. It's funny people like like make fun of Scientology, but Tom Cruise as an actor is Tom Cruise is in his goat era right now. That's funny. He's having a career resurgence as we speak, but like. But especially in 04, like 04 was like when he started to kind of like take a little bit of like a detour in his career. Like that was like the last of like his like good era, pretty much. Which, you know, lasted for like what, 15 years or a little bit more than that. But when it comes to collateral, like we can we can drop like the movie quotes, right? Yeah, do it. I guess. Yeah. Like, like I because I, I love how you're pointing out, Shane, when we're talking about it, like how you know, it sets up for the end when he's like, oh, yeah, he's like, hear about the guy that got on the MT- MTA and died. And it, 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 it took him like, you know, a few laps around the around the system until they noticed he was, you know, dead. Nobody notices. And of course, that that's eventually what happens to Tom Cruise at the end of the movie. So that was really that was really cool. Uh, my favorite is funny. I love it because the writing is so good in this movie. Like the writing is is pretty damn good. Like I love the line when, when you know when Max first sees the dead body on top of his car and yeah, here comes here comes Vince out of the corner looking like stunned a little bit and he's like did you kill him he's like no I shot him the bullets and the fall killed him that was so like good. Yeah. that's a that's a great that's a great line I love how he delivered that line too like that's I love it so much like I also didn't realize that first. When it came to the least, like the other supporting cast, I didn't realize at first that it was you know Mr. Hulkman himself. I didn't realize it was Mark, Mark Ruffalo. Ruffalo. Play, play, Before play he was Hulk, my mom, my mom like, in the middle was like, "Oh, I love that actor. Who is it?" I'm like, "That's the Hulk. That's Mark yeah. Ruffalo." Because when I first saw him, like in the movie, like I, I kind of was like half paying attention. I was like, I was like, "Why does he kind of look like Giovanni Ribisi?" And I'm like, wait a minute, that's not who that is. I'm like, wait a minute, look close. I'm like, oh wait, it's it's the Hulk. It's Mark Ruffalo. Uh, he's not my Hulk though, by the way. Sorry for Marvel fans listening to this. Um, but me neither. At, 
but at, at, at the state, because I'm still a fan of 2003, uh, even though that was crappy, it was innovative for its time. Um, yeah. the re- but, you, but you, you at, care about the, the prequel, not the requel. Pretty much, yeah. I'm yeah. not an Edward Norton <laughs> guy either. Yeah, uh, like, but uh, but getting back to the movie, like the movie is just so good. It's like I can't explain it. It's just like it's one of those movies. I think the only thing I think like there were some kind of things I kind of felt were a little dumb, like when the cops just drop everything for that Roger call on the radio. Yes, that it's I like, was like, bro. I'm like, I'm like, the cops can't yeah. be that stupid, can they? Like, like that's the only thing I, I thought was kind of weird. Like, there was a couple moments where I was like, "Oh, that's that's not how that would go in real life." But okay, like, I also also love the uh, the little little like nod to the situation that's going on in the movie when they visit Max's mother in the hospital, and she's like, "Oh, that's you gotta my put a gun to his head to make him do anything." That's my favorite like, scene that's... in the entire movie. Yeah, that whole entire and scene's it... incredible. Because that that's basically where, yeah. where the de- where the downfall starts to happen, to, or the, the the fallout starts to happen. Really, is from that moment. And on. that's when Vince learns that, like everything he thought about Max is confirmed. You know, it's like yeah. he's just a big yeah. talker. He's not actually a doer. He's like he's got. Oh yeah, I'm gonna start a limo company. Okay, well, how long have you been saving for? Oh, like yeah. twelve years. Twelve like, years. Like, dude, like, what are you doing? Like, and like you know what I found cool too. I, I mean, I'm sure you guys know this too because it was, it was obvious, but you can kind of see as they start off from two different ends and they slowly start becoming blurred. The lines between them yes. start becoming yeah. blurred. And like you see how eventually, you know, Jamie Foxx's character kind of works himself into this idea of being a killer. Like at first he kind of, you know, he, he kind of walks up and he's he's unsure of himself. And you, if you remember, you know, Max is telling him to kind of like make up shit as like to the cops too to kind of get them out of the thing and then but then when you see when he goes in to see uh what's his face felix and he's like that was you know, javier bardem by the way yeah i didn't notice that at first oh my god but really? wow. up. but yeah, but other funny casting but, but if you if you notice he kind of starts to embody what vincent is he takes on like a stone cold killer personality because not because well he also has to but you can kind of see after he meets with him, then afterwards, you know, after you tell him, you know, tell your guy to put the gun away and all that stuff, like he starts to almost become like Vincent, like actually, not just playing it, but actually, where mm-hmm. he's he starts to become more of a doer than just a big talker. So it's like I like how they, how as you like I like how they kind of start intersecting each other in terms of how they act, but like. I, this is actually kind of cool. I don't know if you guys knew the backstory of it a little bit, because I'm always curious to see who they would cast if they weren't going to cast the main actors that they did. Yes, yeah. And I don't know if you guys, I don't know if you guys noticed this, but the guys that they wanted to cast, and I'm okay with the guy they casted as originally as Vince, but it would have been so terrible if they casted the guy they wanted to cast as Max, because the guy they wanted as Vince would have been Russell Crowe. And I'm fine with that because Russell Crowe I like bad. as an actor a lot. I can that's see not, that. That's not bad. And and because he just got off, you know, doing Gladiator, he just got off done, uh, what doing uh what, L.A. Confidential. I think he was in that one too. He got off yeah. of, like around like around the late '90s, early 2000s. 
he also was in uh, what was it, Three Ten to Yuma, like in a couple years later, and that, that was a good movie. He played a bad guy. That's a great movie too. It's a remake, but it's a great movie. So that makes sense. But the guy that wanted to play Max, <laughs> I don't like it at all because it would have become a comedy movie. Adam Sandler. Oh heavens! They wanted Adam Sandler to play Max. I was like, no, no shot. That's awful. Especially that at that is time. awful. That. I mean, after seeing Uncut Gems, which maybe, I haven't seen yet, and maybe we yeah, should add to that. the list. But that's the thing but is that like, Adam Sandler was still, still. In his com- it was still in his comedy bag at that point. Yeah, like that would have been that, pretty ugly. That, right. that was like, like, oh yeah, we're gonna have we're gonna have Vince put a gun to his head and he's gonna be like, "Hi, you putting it in my head, funny man?" Like, you know, yeah. Oh, yeah. What, are you, what are you gonna make a little Nicky face at him? Like, what the hell are you gonna do here? Like. But that movie, like, it couldn't have been casted. I don't think any better than what it was. It was great. It was a great cast. I also yeah. didn't realize that. I also didn't realize that Jason Statham does make an appearance in it. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Well, the very isn't, first. Isn't oh, wait? Isn't yeah. Collateral part of like another universe? Because the bag is also part of another movie. They're part. It's it's it part of. It's Isn't technically it? part of. It's technically part of another movie. That if you really think about it, the movies are in the same universe. I don't remember what the other movie is. I have to look it up. They talk about a Mr. Oh, I have no idea. But the bag appears at the I... end of the movie. I think it might be. It might. Oh my god! You know what it is? It's Dracula. It's Dracula Untold. Because at the end of Dracula Untold, the bag is <laughs> the same bag. No! 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 Oh no! Don't don't ruin this movie for me, please don't. <laughs> That's reaching. It's definitely reaching. Oh my god! Funny. It's. I mean, I, I get. I get it. But it's I just... like this movie. Like the even the the music in the movie is well done. Like the tense moments are tense. Yeah. You know, we talked about that. Uh, like everything just seemed to hit a good note. Uh, the Miles Davis scene was pretty cool. When it, that slowly devolved, like he's you know. You know, you think it's just an innocent chap that slowly devolves until it kind of Vincent slowly pulling information out of him and then realizing who he is and then killing him. Like, it was a great acting job too. Like the you can see it in the other guy's face when he's like, Oh, I'll have to tell the guys in Cartagena about that. He's like Yeah, oh. his face changes. <laughs> yeah, the, the face change was really good. Yeah. It's just like there's so many things too that it's like I'm trying to think of, of what else I really liked in that movie. Now I'm trying to I'm trying to piece it together right now because I was watching obviously in between all the games and stuff. But like, I think when it comes to just the like I was saying before the, the line I like there's like the dialogue is not the best you'll find in a movie, but it's it was still well written and the way that the lines were delivered by each of the characters there was impact behind it. It was well acted. It was. It didn't feel forced. Like it, it felt you felt like this was a real life thing taking place. Just because, and with the tension building on top of it, you, like it didn't feel like a regular action thriller drama kind of movie. It it felt like you know, you know, where you know some things are cheesy and really unbelievable. You felt like this stuff was actually real, and there was like a, there was like an like an imminent threat of danger in every scene. Yeah. And that's what's really cool about it. And that's what I liked about it was that it, it's it, it's it's not a thriller that will always keep you on the edge of your seat, but the tense moments kept you on the edge of your seat. And that's what was good about it. 
like it was a th- it's a throw that like because most throwers we see nowadays a lot of things you can see coming for a mile like this one you didn't know what scenes were going to take a turn like especially when they have like the, the long shootout in the nightclub i didn't think all the cops were going to get shot like that i didn't think Mar- Mar- when like, mark ruffalo got I, shot i was like no i was like bro what did you yeah, think that that at that point, I didn't know. Like I said, like I said, I've seen the very, very end with the shootout in the train on the on the rail, but uh, but I didn't see that part. So I was like, so when I got to that part, I'm like, how they? I'm like, how are they gonna wrap this movie up? Because you just killed one of the main supporting actors, and I'm like, like when I was thinking about that, I was thinking like of how the ending to The Departed was, when they basically killed off mm-hmm. most of the cast at the end of The Departed, pretty much everybody at the end of The Departed, and it was like. Like that's, you know, but when you can kill a character off that was important, somewhat important to the story like that and still have a good ending and a, a compelling ending like that, like is it's really good. It just amazes me how, unless you guys know this and I didn't, it's amazing how they can both shoot each other through the glass in that scene. Yeah. And yeah, the- Jamie Foxx and Jamie Foxx isn't wounded. Yeah, that was my thought too. And I'm like, I'm like, I'm like, the glass why? protecting. Because I'm like, I guess, yeah, that makes sense. But it's like, why is Tom Cruise like fairly wounded here when they're both just firing at point blank range at each other and Jamie Foxx wasn't hit? It was like, the glass, but it was also that a... one scene where he got hit like right away. But yeah. 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 I don't know. I, but I, I, either way, either way, like, that, was only, that was like the one scene, like the one scene besides the cops just leaving the scene. <laughs> those, those are the only two scenes that kind of confused me a little bit, but the whole story in general was really good. That's why I could see, like, why not just Rotten Tomatoes gave it a high rating, but fans did, other, like, lower critics did, like, everybody loved it. Like, that movie is just so good, start to finish. And I, I finally could see why my grandfather was like, oh, yeah, you're going to like this movie. I'm like, well, I like action movies in general. That's why when it was, you know, when the choice was between, you know, uh, what was it? That J.K. Simmons movie? What the hell was that? Which Whiplash, Whiplash which I think we're it, probably going to do next week. When it, I think that's going to be our movie next week. But when, it, but when it was between those two, I was a collateral all day. Collateral all day. Because I, I kind of, I at least knew the ending, like the part of the ending of it, but I hadn't seen it in like years. So I was like, I have to actually sit down and watch this movie because A, I want to, and B, I will watch anything Tom Cruise does. I will watch anything Jamie Foxx does because they're such good actors. And it's funny, I'm not, I'm not even a fan of Jada Pinkett Smith, and she did well in this movie. So, yeah, she did. So it's it's like there's not like there's no there's nothing really bad. Oh, and that's the one last thing I want to say about it. I just remembered now. The way they shot it was really well too. The, yeah. the different the different camera angles and the different like techniques they used to shoot it were really good. Like some scenes felt like you were actually like running with them at certain points. Some scenes felt like an act, like a typical, you know, standard action movie. Some scenes felt like this is like real two thousands. Like you can tell the way it's shot, you know, especially with the music coming into play. Like a lot of, I like how they just nothing felt stale. It just kept feeling fresh all the way through. So it was like that's why I just love like every time I was watching the different angles, I'm like, this is such a cool angle because you won't see this in a modern action thriller movie nowadays. You won't see them use like 10, 10 different angles for two scenes back to back. Like you'll see like one or two consistent angles. So it's like I like how they've shot it. I like how it was acted. I like how 
you know, all that good stuff came to be. And then the best part about it is that it definitely, it's funny that it, it's, it's our post credits thing because it ties into football because one of the production companies was called forward pass. Whoa. Oh, nice. <laughs> nice. Uh, nice. Yeah. Speaking of camera shots, uh, my favorite one, and I have to point it out because it's just brilliant. Go ahead. Is, is when you when Tom Cruise is on the top of the building and then close up on him and then it rack focus down to Jamie Foxx, who's like 500 feet away on the roof of yeah. a parking garage across the street because he's like he knows he's here you know yeah. or that he's coming so it's like there he is it's just yeah it was so brilliant i loved it um anyways go ahead I, Robert. <laughs> I have two really bizarre comments one of them that i've been saving just for this moment so jamie fox i have issues with jamie fox as an actor because he can be so annoying at times. And in this movie, he is, but it works. There's another movie where it is and it works. And it's called Amazing Spider-Man 2. And the name is yeah, Max. Yeah, that's one of your favorites. Yeah. Well, li- well, listen, 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 listen. His name is Max. And he's literally just fucking Electro in this movie. He's literally what Electro should have been in that movie. Think about the he's, first he's half nerdy. of that movie. He's, he's nerdy. nerdy. He's yeah. weird. And then Quiet. it just goes off the rails yeah. and becomes the dumbest movie ever. Yeah. Basically. But, okay, go ahead. In well, like in this movie though, he's nerdy, but like in a charming way, kind yeah, of. Yeah, in that yes, one, I it's more that. just like a sad, creepy way. Right, but 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 my, my <laughs> but point anyways. is my point yeah. is it's like this is how you would do Electro right. Right? Where he yeah. would have this yeah. like charming thing and then he would evolve into a villain that gets eaten by a bunch of electric eels i still don't understand that whatever uh, <laughs> things i've ever seen but it does evolve into a villain though he does but yeah but like but that but that's how you should do it and then the other thought i had was wow this is like a better version of ambulance like this is a better version of yeah. a proper good michael bay movie that where it's like, I can see it. Yeah. Where it's like ambulance is just all action, boom, 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 weird shots. We're running down. We have people in ambulance. We're like, oh my god, what's going on? And whatever. It's like, no, slow, methodical buildup. Yeah. It's like a massively better version of what ambulance was trying to do. Yeah, Shane, do you see that, or am I going crazy? Oh yeah. And the directors are both named Michael. <laughs> Well, yeah, actually can, are. can you actually help? You know what's, you know, can okay, you help you, me explain you know this really... more, though? Do you have, can you help what? me explain? Because, like, I I kind of get why it's similar, but I think you might have more insight into that comment that I made of why it's kind of a much better version of what Ambulance was trying to do. Well, I mean, it's at the end of the day, it's just two very different filmmakers, you know. Um, yeah. If you look at Michael Bay's filmography, it's movies like Transformers. 13 hours um you know so on and so forth and it it's movies that are just very high octane very cool if you will um whereas you know michael mann movies tend to be more character pieces yeah and so it's just you know this is like two different directors interpretations of a similar concept well kind of similar um 
And, you know, the thing that I think is really interesting about Collateral is it was written by a 17-year-old, which is... Wow. Yeah. Which is really impressive. He wrote it in, I think, in his English class, just while he was messing around, um, which which is crazy, um, you know, because... I mean, I'm I'm now 23 years old and working in the professional film industry, and I still don't think I could write a script that good. Uh, and he, you know, did that in, in high school. But anyways, um, yeah, uh, I, I that's I see what you're saying with that, Robert. I I think it's it's really weird, but it makes point. sense. Yeah, yeah. What I'm sense. saying, what I'm saying is, but why I'm saying that is that Collateral is like a a million times better movie than Ambulance is. It's just yeah. done in a much smarter way. That's not boom, boom, boom. This, this, this. And Collateral was originally set in New York, in the first draft of the script. Interesting. I think I might I have heard is, about that. Yeah. Yeah. Which I which I think is interesting because I think LA is a better setting though. For... I do too. It would have been a different feel for sure, but yeah. Weird that ambulance literally bolds LA because it's in LA. I was not intending to make the comparison for that, but whatever. Um, finally, <laughs> I think the most important part about this movie for me is this movie's very like psychological or phil- it, I think psychological is the right word. Just from them talking philosophical. In the cab- philosophical, thank you. philosophical, yeah. It works. Where it's like where mm-hmm. they talk the talking in the cab thing is the most important part of this movie. And that's where I was like. I didn't rewind it because I was watching it with my mom, but I probably might, if I was watching it myself, those would be the scenes I probably rewind the most because it's, it's, they're, they're very complex conversations mm-hmm. done in the back of a taxi cab that are just bizarre, but they work so well in the flow of the story. Also, it's also Jamie Foxx, like the way the character, where he works as a character, his character, Max. That's exactly what a cab driver's life is. Yeah. Or in it, if this movie was made today, it would be an Uber, which I think would have been fascinating. Like, what if you take collateral, <laughs> but instead of a taxi driver, it's an Uber driver or a Lyft driver? I think that would have been fascinating. I, I think it would have changed the movie a little bit, but I think it would be super fascinating because you wouldn't actually take the car back to whatever. Uh, it's yeah. literally in your flipping car, which would be very interesting. You'd, you'd, um, bring, the, you'd bring the killer home with you. <laughs> Yeah, more or less because it's your it's your car. Uh, but I think the I think the main the main thing is just that they're weird conversations, but they work, and then that makes the movie flow. And I've never seen like Tom Cruise. Like I was like, this is I was telling my mom I was like I don't know if you've seen any of the Mission Impossible movies, but quite similar in a lot of ways, but it's also very different because he just plays this role of a really unique villain. And I think his hair and like how he looks plays a part to that too. Like I was really yeah. thrown off when I saw that initially. I was like, this kind of makes sense because <laughs> he's supposed to be darker and his, his hair's darker. The environment's darker. So there's so much of those little pieces that I really enjoyed. It's excellently well cast. It's yeah. It's, it's, it's a 2004 movie that also doesn't feel like a 2004 movie. Yeah. Like you can make it yeah. now and it would be spectacular because I think visually yeah. it would look better. And yeah. But it, it's one of yeah. those old movies that doesn't look or is played in a way of an old movie. 
it doesn't feel yeah. that way at all. And a lot of times when you watch 2000s movies, early 2000s movies, it feels that way. And I came into it expecting it to be that. And then immediately I was like, yeah, this this feels like a movie that could come out tomorrow. Yeah. And be amazing. You know, yeah, I saw that movie on a, a $6,000 digital camera, Jeez. which is, I mean, that's like nothing. Most. Yeah, but geez. Still. Most cameras that they use for movies like those are like thirty grand, but unless you're Christopher anyways. Nolan, who, Christopher Nolan spends the entire, uh, you know, the entire oil fortune on cameras. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um. But you know what's crazy too? I, I don't know. I mean, maybe maybe we've covered this in a in a less distinct way, or maybe maybe I'm just uh, spouting nonsense here. But the way they're dressed also says a lot about them, too. Because if you look at how Jamie Foxx's character and and Tom Cruise's character is dressed, Tom Cruise, you know, sharp dressed, you know, usually when you have a sharp dressed man like that, or like not just it's like when you have it's like you know he and he kind of like he matches like everything is about precision with him and timing, and you know obviously it fits into the contract killer personality, but everything with him is very black and white, and that's that's why he wears that's why he's in gray. Like if, yes, you, if you kind exactly. of that, that that is distinctly my point, just way better said. And then, That's exactly right. And then you look at Jamie Foxx's character, kind of more you know baggier clothes, a little bit more dirty. Like and you can see his character lacks sometimes focus, and he does lacks attention. You know, zones out here and there. He says that he goes to his his happy place, which is like those five minute vacations. He looks at that picture on his yeah. on his on his thing, and it's like. And, you know, he's all, you know, talking, no doing. Like, he's kind of like almost like a slacker-ish nerdy character. So it's like he, he kind of, the dress symbolizes that. So, and then like same with Jada Pinkett's character, like hers, it's a typical lawyer attire, but you can see like, you know, and even Jamie Foxx points it out, like his character points it out that she's dressed that way because of this. So it's like, it's the one movie where I really, in other movies, I don't, I don't pay attention to how they're dressed as much, even though that does matter. And I know it is. I've taken a film class in college before. I'm not as well versed in it as you are, Shane. But I know that, like, you know, no expert, but yeah. Well, I'm saying you know more than I do, a lot more than I do. But like, it's, but just it was the first movie that I've ever watched where it became clear to me that the way they're dressed says a lot about them and who they are and what their characters are. So it's like, sure, I, I I really liked that and it's something that i didn't really put together until i was starting to think about it more and more and who their characters are and i'm like wait a minute it makes a lot of sense and so it's like it's 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 something that's really cool it's just that and it's weird because if you ever one thing i kind of noticed too and it's something so subtle that the average viewer might miss when he gives uh jada pinkett's character annie when he gives her his picture of the Maldives and uh, you notice that that's the beginning of the end. Any semblance of normalcy he had at that point is now gone because that was the only place he could go to, to escape from he, when he said, when things get heavy, this is the place I go to, to escape from. And when he, he didn't gives have her it throughout that, the movie, he didn't have it throughout the entire movie. Once, once he gave that to her and then Tom Cruise gets in the car, but that was it. And then, so, and then on top of it, he sees it again later. Yeah, and he sees yeah. it later. So it's it's actually really cool how there's a lot of things that will tie into the rest of the movie that, uh, it's like, if you're watching passively, you're not going to notice it. 
but it's there. So it's actually really cool how they how they tied just the style of dress together, how they had callbacks in the movie, you know, that once or twice with the callback between the dead guy on the rail and then with the you know, kind of with the picture popping up again later on. There's so definitely like, more that we missed even in this conversation. Yeah, because I, 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 I was watching Passively and that's all I caught. I'm sure if I actually focus on it, there's more. Yeah. So like that's that's what I'm yeah. waiting for. But it's just like, you know, it's it's really important. I feel like to point that out because I don't think I don't I don't think we did hearing everybody's thoughts and opinions and stuff. I don't know if we did or not, but that's that was something that struck me throughout the movie too. It was like it was the first movie where I actually paid attention to like how things were were unfolding. So I had to bring up the way they were dressed and stuff like that, and then just the callbacks. Yeah. Definitely a great film. Uh, good choice, Shane. I think next week we are doing Collateral since that was number two on our list. I know Whiplash or Whiplash. Whiplash. Uh, <laughs> not it's whip, ten whip, o'clock. Whip, we're, we're doing we're doing a Whiplash with Tom Hanks, right? Is that what we're doing. Oh God. Um, but uh, <laughs> I, I, I that is your favorite movie of all time. I've never seen it myself, so I'm one of my favorites. One of your favorites, yeah. So that's gonna be yeah, super fun. It's another one that creates a lot of unexpected tension like collateral but in a completely different way yeah that's so, gonna be really exciting but see, but see all i can see when i see jk simmons is you know bring me pictures of spider-man so like it's gonna be hard for me to see him in this room. although you know what's funny there's a meme i'll send you guys after we're, we're done here if i can find it there's a meme that says like oh yeah this is this is how i react when people try to interrupt me during football season and it's a picture of him telling somebody to get the f out it's the video I'm telling one of the like one of the people in the in the the the, uh, the band room to get the hell out. So it was like I, I had I gotta find it. It's somewhere, but my god, I was like, yes. I was like, this is so funny. They were they were like kind of starting to get into whiplash because I just found a perfect meme that describes both that and football season, which is what we do on the show. So <laughs> he has the intensity of J. Jonah Jameson, just without the comedy. So he's just scary. Yeah, it's great. That's gonna that's <laughs> gonna be a lot of fun. That will be next week. Uh, but for Brandon, for Shane, um, g- give us your social tags as well. Where can we find y'all? Oh Shane, God, um, what is mine? Shane C. Hansen, S. E. N. to the Hansen, not S. O. N. There's there's a lot of Hansons, you know. You got you got to specify. Yeah, yeah. we're we're up in uh, Denmark, not Sweden. Yeah, I forgot. There's there's a <laughs> distinction there. People might not realize there is a distinction. Uh, yeah, mine mine is simple. I'm not gonna drop my Instagram. That's weird. Uh, no, but but Twitter, yeah, <laughs> or X. It kind of is. Yeah, my uh, no, yeah, no. I'm not gonna call it my X. It's my Twitter. I swear to guy, I can't. I if anybody calls it X, please don't, 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 don't bring us down this path in society. No, it is Twitter, and it will always be Twitter. But no. Brandon Furtado 8. I say it all the time. Nobody follows me, man. Come on, please. I, I want you, people to look. That's why I'm rubbing your social that. tags. People gotta people gotta follow your your guys' uh, rants. You gotta follow your Eagles rant. Shane oh your my rant. god. I, I go off on t- my I had about 10 po- ten tweets today that just said fire Brian Johnson. <laughs> <laughs> I was so angry during the game. I just let it out. I was like, I have to let this out because if I don't, I will blow up. I will spontaneously combust. Um, well, don't do that. It makes a big mess. You know, some days. Some days you think about it, maybe. Um, you follow us at Ethos Charging and follow me at R. Solosi. 
Um, thank you guys for joining us. Thank you, Shane. Thank you, Brandon. We'll see you next week. I think we might have a show on Monday. If not, definitely like Tuesday or Wednesday. We'll figure it out. It's been a long Sunday. Very long Sunday. First Sunday of the season. Uh, long way to go. 17 weeks plus the playoffs. A lot of fun stuff coming your way. Uh, but thank you guys so much for hopping on. And I'll see you all soon. Sir. Yes, sir.